0: Alright, so that's an older video, uh, maybe you've seen that before, because, I mean, let's, let's face it, Wired, like, that's so 2000 teens, so, uh, no, um, if you haven't figured out what the, what the uh, focus is this morning, it is fasting. I want to read for you a, 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 an appropriate passage, you'll see it on the screen, it's Matthew, chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. When you fast, do not look somber, as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it won't be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father, who's unseen. And your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. So today, we, uh, we wrap up this series very simply today, uh, that we've been in on being rooted in prayer. So in this kind of celebrity-based evangelical culture, uh, quiet prayer and, and solitude partnered with Scripture doesn't seem to be too radical, okay? doesn't seem very radical. We want to do radical things for Jesus, this radical move of God. And uh, we talked about this the first week, that the, the word radical, actually the root, the Latin root of that is root, to be rooted. It's rootedness is to be radical. And so what we've discovered really is this, you'll see it on the screen, a radical follower of Jesus is less about doing extraordinary things for God than it is about having rooted encounters with an extraordinary God, with God. So over the centuries, a very close partner to prayer is fasting. So it's, I think it's very natural actually for us to talk about being what it means to be rooted in prayer. Also we need to look at what is fasting? What is this all about? Now this has been a really just kind of practical, uh, hands-on, how-to kind of series. What you do with what we're talking about uh, in these three weeks is completely up to you. But here's what I do know. Fasting is mentioned enough in the whole council of Scripture, and specifically in the words of Jesus, enough that I think it demands some attention. We need to kind of ask ourselves, what is this about? Why is this such a big deal? So if you get anything else out of today, and this is on your outline that you got when you came in, all that kind of different stuff, if you get anything out of today, let's get this. Fasting is deliberately abstaining from the normal routine of life. So it's a deliberate uh, abstaining. Its purpose is to spend focused time in prayer and the study of God's words, seeking to align our lives with his life. In other words, if there's any aspect of our life or any sense that we're, we're not necessarily personally lined up with where God would want us to be, fasting is an opportunity to abstain from something, to focus on getting ourselves lined back up with who God is and what he wants for us. Now, this next sentence is a really important one, I think. And I think it speaks sometimes to some of the misconceptions we have about fasting. Ultimately, fasting is more about replacing than abstaining. It does involve saying no to something or cutting something out or stop doing something for a period of time, but it has more to do with replacing than it does with what are you giving up for Lent or or th- things like that. The issue is what are you doing in place of that? It's a time of reflection, it's a time of repentance, it's a time of intentionally filling our lives with scripture and prayer, instead of food maybe, or social media, or some form of entertainment or, or whatever. Or whatever. And we'll get into that here in just a minute, but of all the spiritual disciplines Fasting is probably the least practiced, but I think when done, and done particularly for the right reasons, it can lead to some radical rootedness in Christ. So first off is full admission. For me, fasting is an aspirational spiritual discipline, which is a fancy, really flowery way of saying, I don't do this very often or very well. It's a very aspirational spiritual discipline for me. I have fasted before, um, but I've not done it in a very consistent way. It's not been a, not a play on words here, but a steady diet for me of fasting. It's not been this consistent thing that I've gone to as a pattern of discipline in my own personal spiritual development. It's an area of corrective discipline in my life right now that I'm seeking to engage more. Uh, so in preparation for this series, and for Lent, which begins with our Ash Wednesday service this next Wednesday night, I would encourage you to hear, be here for that, I've been kind of getting some focus on what is, what, is, what is this, why do I need to incorporate this more in my life, and a lot of people do take advantage of Lent, these 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter, uh, to, to give something up for Lent, and if you grew up Catholic, that was kind of a big thing, even if we didn't even show up at church, we had to give something up for Lent. You know, I'll give up, you know, bazooka, bubble gum, or I'll give up whatever when I was a kid. So, but you had to give up something somehow that appeased God if I did that. And so maybe you you kind of are familiar with some of that language, but uh, it's not uncommon. And, and if that's something that God's leading you to, I'd encourage you to do it. But that said, what I want to do is just really briefly today, and this is a very simple message, is just cover Uh, some foundational issues, and then we'll just kind of get into some practical stuff, if that's okay. So first, based on what I'm seeing all throughout Scripture, actually, and particularly in the ministry of Jesus, for Jesus, the big issue is the heart. And when he starts talking about things like fasting or prayer or all kinds of different stuff, he kind of digs a little bit deeper, and he starts talking about motive. So our motive when it comes to fasting seems to be kind of a big deal for Jesus. But it's not even just a big deal for Jesus. We see this actually throughout the Old Testament as well. The Old Testament spends a lot of time talking about fasting. There's this really convicting passage in in, uh, Zechariah 7.5, God speaks, and he says this, ask all the people of the land and the priests, which I think is really interesting, ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned, in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years. They've been they've been fasting in the fifth month and the seventh month for 70 years and God's saying, ask those people if when they did that, was it really for me? Was it really for God when they did that? What does that speak to? It speaks to motive, doesn't it? Why are you doing what you're doing? Now, I'm sure I'm going to come off as a bit snarky, okay, but... <laughs> But if our, in our social media-saturated existence, if you fast and nobody knows that you fasted, it's kind of like that if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, does it make a sound? Like if you fast and you don't post about it on social media, did you actually fast if nobody knows? Did you actually do your devotions today if you didn't post about doing your devotions today? Did you actually read Scripture today? if you didn't post that you read scripture today and shared it with everybody. Now, that may seem nitpicky, but here's the deal. That was the main indictment of the verse that I read for you at the beginning of the message. The words of Jesus. And his words were to the religious people. That's who his words were to. Jesus said this, he said, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces. They show other people that they're fasting. They draw attention to themselves. So here's what that looked like. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, <clears throat> those who set the tone, set the pace for what it looked like to be true followers of the one true God. Okay? This is, these, are, these are the dudes. So the big market days in Jerusalem, particularly, were Monday and Thursday. That's when the market was the busiest. So it happened to coincide with the biggest fasting days for the Pharisees. They fasted on Mondays, and they fasted on Thursdays. And so the pattern was the market is this, the market was more than just going and getting your stuff, and it was more than just to stop at Walmart to go get your stuff and go home. Some of you all, when you go to Walmart, your goal is not to see anybody you know, right? That's not how the market worked when, when back in Jesus' day. You went to the market because that was your newsfeed, that was, that was your opportunity to connect with all kinds of people that you knew. Oh, look, so-and-so got a new hairstyle. Can you believe Jerry did this? You know, just all that kind of different stuff. You can do your likes, your comments, all that stuff. This was the news feed of the day, was going to the market. This is where you put yourself on display for other people to see, was when you went to the market. Oh, look, they have their new baby, or all that kind of different stuff. That was happening at the market on Mondays, and Thursdays, and the Pharisees conveniently fasted on Mondays and Thursdays, and they would go to the market. Like, where all the food was, by the way. Man. Richard, are you okay? Man, It just, is it hot? Hotter today than, than normally, than other days? I just, I feel like, man, I just feel, I just feel peaked. I feel worn I, I know that this, this happens every week I don't know why I'm I'm so surprised you know when you're as devoted to God as I am and so full of humility and and you have to come out in public like this I mean it's re, it's really it's tacky you know it's just but but I do this for God I this I mean this is I God has spoken to me in so many ways when I do this when I, when I do this, God just, man, I just feel his presence. I feel his presence so much. Hang on. Hashtag, all for you, all for you, all for you. Okay, so, don't clap, that's gross. So, uh, I know that I'm being a dork, okay, I know that in that moment, but the issue that we're getting to is, what is the motive? What is the motive? And it really does come from that definition that we had earlier, to spend focused time in prayer and the study of God's work, seeking to align our lives with God's will, to to remove distractions, right? Right? to deny ourselves something of value, something that we might hold dear, something that might even provide us sustenance so that we can turn that attention towards God in that moment to hear from him, to hear from him. So we know that there's improper motives, and I can make jokes about that all day, but uh, there are at least five scriptural motives, good motives. I know there's more, but there's at least five that I just want to share with you this morning For just true biblical fasting. And the first I've already mentioned. One reason to fast, a good reason to fast, is to hear from God. To hear from God. And we're not going to spend a time time on this. In the first week, we talked about silence, we talked about solitude, and how important that was to a life that's going to be rooted in prayer. But the goal of fasting sometimes is to hear from God. Acts 13, chapter 2, or Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Uh, in the early days of the church, it says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Okay, So they, they'd likely, as an early burgeoning church, been discussing how do we get the message of Jesus out further? How, what, do, what do we need to do? What do we need to be doing in order to spread the gospel message. But they were with it enough to stop and stop asking, what are we gonna do? But God, what do you wanna do? And so they stopped and they fasted in order to hear God's voice. And when, when they did that, God spoke. Not only did God speak, he spoke about the people who needed to go do what needed to be done, okay? That's a huge lesson for anybody, particularly if you're like me, okay? Um, I feel the pressure all the time to do and accomplish and perform and meet people's expectations and all anything and all of that. And it's ironic that what we're talking about is fasting because there does not seem to be anything fast about stopping and getting quiet and listening and giving things up and praying. There's nothing quick about any of that. But a lot of times, that's exactly what we need, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but that is so true in my life. If I'm going to hear from God, I've got to stop. I've got to stop long enough for God to get a word in, edgewise. But we also fast so that we can pray for one another. We can intercede. That's what that means. To intercede means to pray for others. In Psalm thirty-five thirteen, 13, uh, David, the psalmist, he said this. When they were ill... I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. Humbled myself with fasting. Um, there's so much of this that is so counter to evangelical culture in our church world today. But fasting and praying for others, it's not about tricking God into answering a prayer for somebody, that's it's not how that works. It's about removing distractions and abstaining from things of value long enough to set your heart with a laser focus on the need of somebody other than yourself? Can we deny something that we think about for ourselves all the time so that we might be able to think about someone else? Interceding for other people, fasting on behalf of others. It's an incredible gift. You don't even have to tell the person that you're fasting. By the way, fasting for you. If you'd like to post about it on the Facebook, go ahead. Okay. You, don't have to, you don't even have to tell somebody you're fasting for them. You're going to God on behalf of somebody else to intercede. Another motive, to repent. There's a really convicting, really convicting passage from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. So God's people had been unfaithful to God which was a pattern that was just, it was cyclical. They just did it over and over and over again. God would send these prophets, hey, knock it off, get back to God. They'd come back to God, usually because of some outside pressure. They'd run to God, oh, we're so sorry, help us, and God would help them. But then they'd be like, ooh, squirrel, and they'd run over here to something else. Okay, so they'd been unfaithful again, again. And so God is using the prophet Joel, and he says this in Joel 1, 12 through 14. Put on sackcloth, you priests. Again, he talks about the priests. Put on sackcloth, you priests, and mourn. Wail, you who minister before the altar, come. Spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister my, before my God. For the grain offers and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. You know what I do sometimes when I feel guilty or um, when I know that there's something I should be doing that I'm not doing or something I'm doing I shouldn't be doing. In order not to deal with that, I get busy. I will fill my calendar Look it, i got so many appointments, I've got so many meetings, I've got so many things that I've got to do and accomplish and get done, and and if if I can do that enough, if I can drum up enough activity, then I don't have to stop long enough to actually assess the fact that I'm not doing okay, (laughs) that maybe there's a relationship off, or there's this or that, or or whatever, if I can just kind of keep that machine going, and that's what I do sometimes when I feel guilty, anything to stop, to not stop long enough to get real with myself and get real with God. So in a very real way, real life, your life is only as real as you let it be right now. It's only as real as you allow it to be. Fasting, I think, becomes one of those opportunities to repent of anything in our lives that's keeping us from living as God would desire for us to live. To turn. That's what repenting means. It means you've made aware of something and you turn away from it. In fidelity to God. I also think it's telling that it, this whole thing, particularly in the, in the passage from Joel, it begins with the priests, it begins with those that would consider themselves to be spiritual leaders. That's convicting it would seem that nobody is first of all above repenting but nobody is above fasting not even the church as a whole i think there are times for corporate fasting we live in a <clears throat> we live in a time where the church is having to face certain realities i'm not just talking about our church i'm talking about the church about its own patterns of behavior. I have books, stacks of books, and articles and whatever, blogs, about those that have been abused by those in leadership in churches, taken advantage of by people in leadership in churches. I'm fully aware that there are people, probably even in our congregation, that view me through a certain filter first. And it's the filter of, Are you like some of those other leaders? When I'm in the community and somebody finds out somebody's cutting my hair or whatever, oh, you're a pastor. What filter is that being run through in that moment? Because of past patterns of behavior. Maybe also the church and its issues with idolatry, political idolatry, personal idolatry, chasing after whatever It is that we chase after as followers of Jesus. God seems really like persistent and set on figuring out ways to call the church to repentance in those moments and to turn to him. I wonder if we'd be quiet long enough to actually hear him calling us back to him in some circumstances. And maybe right now, maybe right now is a good time to ask ourselves, if we've forgotten that we need God. We need God. We need Him. Not only for what He does for us. We need God. We need Him. And fasting, it doesn't earn us forgiveness. It doesn't endear us to God's heart that much more. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for. He loves you beyond anything you can measure already. That love is there for you. It's there for you. So it doesn't get God to love you more, um, but it, if you approach it with the right motive, it will help you see your sin. Your sin. For what it really is. And, and when that happens, you take the opportunity to repent. Repent. Another reason to repent, it's a good motive, is Direction. Acts 14.23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So these were, the again, the fledgling, burgeoning days of the early church. There were no growth models for the church. Nobody took attendance in the early church. There were no lights and fog machines in the early church. There's just, None of that stuff existed in the early church. All they had was God, prayer, and each other. What would happen if we realized that's all we really truly have to? God, prayer, and each other. Paul and Barnabas fasted for wisdom. They fasted for guidance in choosing the right people. Is there something important in your life right now? Right now. And you're at a crossroads, and you know that the decision that you have to make is going to alter the future. Your future. Are you at a crossroads right now? Or do you have to make a decision today about something? What does it look like for you to give up a meal and pray? Or what would it look like, and I know I'm picking on social media today, what would it look like to stop checking social media for a week? and not even posting to tell everybody that you're not going to check social media for a week? What would that look like? Instead, when the urge to pick up that phone and you're like, that natural, and some of you, I I do, you know, you just immediately, you open it up and there's the, I know exactly where the apps are and my thumb just goes there naturally. What happens if in that moment, when you open up your phone, to check who sent you a message and you go, and then you just put it down and you stop? And be reminded in that urge to check it. I'm going to stop and pray for this thing that I'm seeking direction on right now. I'm going to pray that God would continue to show me how to release this thing that I've been hanging on to for way too long. I'm going to pray for my spouse and my kids. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for this coworker. I'm going to pray for this and this and this. What would it look like in those moments when that urge pops up to abstain and replace it? with something else. We've already in this series learned that God is speaking. That's never the issue. The issue is, are we listening? Are we listening? Fasting helps us to focus on the one that we say we want our direction from. Fasting helps us to do that. So, there are other motives. I know that. One more really quick. Worship. Worship. Luke 2.37, there's a, there's a story about a woman named Anna, and uh, this is what it says. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Worshiping night and day, fasting and praying. Fasting is an, is, is an act of worship. You're giving God your attention in that moment, emptying yourself from one thing to fill it with another. And remember the definition, fasting is more about replacing than it is about abstaining. And I, I could go on and on and on. There's, there's other motives, and I'm sure you could come up with some, too. But right now, what I want to do is I want to direct your attention to the 21 Days of Prayer guide. If you've got that, I want to encourage you to, to open it and look at that page. It's like the second or third page in that app. Uh, or if you've got the paper guide or whatever, it'll be on the screen, too. But I pray that you've found this to be beneficial for you. Uh, I've had some really great times of prayer in this room, with the different followers of Christ who, who've made it a point to be here, to pray through some different things, and uh, it's been a blessing to me. So many of you have reached out just with some excitement, particularly after last Sunday, in talking about how you want to incorporate some of what we talked about last Sunday into your prayer life and how you approach the Word of God and, and different things like that. We, again, we are in the people-forming business, encountering God as a community and then living it out in mission with each other, with each other. So knowing that, I just want to give you a little simple like how-to, I guess, from your guide. This is in your your guide about fasting. And the first is this. Pick a fast. Pick a fast, any fast. <laughs> I used to, in in that video from the Skit Guys, I used to get kind of legalistic in my thinking about fasting. Not so much anymore. But um, pick a fast. For some people, you hear the word fast, and you hear immediately No food for 40 days. If that's your jam, go to the doctor first, okay? Uh, We trust God for everything, but um, yeah, go to the doctor because you may be hypoglycemic or diabetic, and that is not a smart move that would honor God. So be smart about some different stuff, Uh, but but if you do a a liquid only or just a water only for for a certain amount of time, you might want to just check with your doctors, particularly if you're on medication, it might mess with your medication, I'm not a doctor, I don't pretend to be a doctor, um, but I trust my doctor. And so, uh, go to your doctor if you think you need to do something radical like that. I'm not trying to push you away from it, but I am just telling you, let's, like, be smart, be smart. Uh, then there's other fasts. There's, like, the Daniel fast. These all have to do with food. This is, you can Google this and look it up. It's from the book of Daniel. And, and all these different fasts that take place that you abstain from certain foods for certain amounts of time and, and all that kind of different stuff. There's a partial fast. Maybe you don't eat for um, two days in a row one week or, you know, you give up lunch for one week or there's, there's, there's partial fasts along those lines. Then there's activity and media fasts. Like, I'm going to give up a certain thing for a certain duration of time. The example I used earlier, like social media for a week, what would it look like to give up social media for 40 days? Um, What would it look like to do this, to do that? I used to kind of think, giving up social media, is that really fast? Is that, like, really a sacrifice? You know what? I'm at a point now where I'm like, okay, yeah, yep, it is. It is. Giving uh, Giving up television or talk radio, or something like that for a certain amount of time, so the only talking head that you are hearing for a period of time is one, (laughs) instead of everybody else's, okay? And so what, what does it look like for you to abstain from something? But then, I think the key is, it's not just I'm giving up social media for Lent, it's that what happens when you do pick up the phone to check it? What happens when you do pause and think, or you tell somebody, oh yes, I'm giving up social media for Lent? I mean, We can give you a star sticker if you want, but like, what are you going to do in place of that? What are you doing? Which leads to the second thing. Write some goals down. Write some goals down for your fast. That's okay to have goals. Begin with personal goals. Uh, Do church goals. Be specific. Why are you fasting? If you're fasting for direction, what are you fasting for direction about? Write that down. Remind yourself of your why. Why am I doing these things? If I'm doing it because I know my life is not lined up with where God wants my life to be lined up with and I, I need to come to a realization, he needs to show some things to me about my own life, write that down. But God, I'm confused. Do I, am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to do that? Am I, am I struggling in this area of life as much as I think I am or is there an area of life I'm not struggling at all that I, I am, that I think I'm, I, I am? I, what, what do I need from you in those moments? Write those things down. And as you journal, again, it's a great opportunity to do that. The third thing is consume scripture. Fasting is an expression of humility and dependence, not on your wisdom, not on your understanding, but on God's wisdom, on God's understanding. And so it's about replacing something with focused times of prayer and scripture reading. Go to the Bible app, if, that, if that's what you have to do, and look up fasting. And I'm sure there's a plan for fasting on there. Look up a a certain walk through one of the Gospels, a 20-day walk through the Gospel of John or or whatever. Find those very specific reading plans that take you on a journey. Use scripture in this guide that, that that I gave you at the beginning of these 21 days as a foundation for some of that. Again, all kinds of opportunities. And then number four, Actually expect something to happen. Open your life to what God might show you and what God might do in the midst of that. We do this by faith. Hebrews 11.6, Without faith it's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Fasting has shaped and transformed people's lives for centuries. For centuries. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And my goal today, and like I told you, I wish that I was an expert on this. I wonder if you realize that sometimes pastors do stand in front of you and don't know everything. This pastor does not know everything. Maybe that would be the better way to, to say that. I'm still on the journey. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I hope that's okay. I hope it's okay if we do that together. But What I'm telling you is that Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. And that's a convicting thing for me. My default in those moments is to feel guilty, particularly as a pastor. Somebody's supposed to lead other people spiritually. Um, He didn't say when, or he didn't say if, he said when. So it's often good for me to be reminded in those moments, and maybe this is good for you. We talk a lot about grace in our church and I'm glad that we do. Um, salvation is a gift of God. And God loves you. God loves you. Salvation is a gift. You didn't earn it because you joined this church. It's it just It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not the result of keeping a list of things that you do for God. And it's not a result of making sure that there's nothing on that list that's checked off things you shouldn't have done. Salvation is a gift because we have a God of love and grace and mercy. So fasting does not get God to love you more. Doesn't get God to play favor on you. That's, That's not what fasting is. Fasting is just to know him more to know Him more, and watch how that transforms your life from the inside out. When you fast, what you're doing is you're demonstrating to God that knowing Him is more important than maybe some item of personal comfort for a time. You demonstrate faith and commitment when you fast. That's it. That's our series on being rooted in prayer Uh, We'll be starting a new one here in a couple of weeks. But uh, what I want to do, too, is this is the end of our church year. And uh, I'm going to close with prayer here in just a moment. But at the end of our church year, our church year ends at the end of February, begins March 1st. Normal people would do that January 1st, but that's not fun. So we might as well be different. So we start our church year on March 1st. And what that means is next week, and we've been seeing this in the newsreel and the announcements. The last couple of weeks, but next week there are some elections for church board members and delegates to our district assembly for the Northwest Indiana District Church of the Nazarene uh, this summer, and uh, it's kind of a sacred practice. Uh, it sounds business-like and the idea of elections and all that kind of different stuff, but I've been praying a lot uh, that God would continue to raise up leaders in our church who have a vision for the future, a vision for where God is leading the church uh, not me or anybody else, but where God is taking us as the body of Christ. And uh, next Sunday in the community space between the two services and then for a brief period of time after the second service uh, next Sunday, there. if you're a member of the church, if you know that you've become a member, a formal member of Real Life, I would ask that you please go to the community space between the two services or after the second service. And uh, there'll be a couple of people there at a table that have the little ballots and different information on it and stuff like that. Real simple process, probably take you about five minutes. I want to ask you to pray. We just talked about it for 21 days. I want to ask you to pray that God would give you wisdom, that God would give you discernment as you uh, prepare to to do that. And I'm just so pleased with how God has uh, raised up leaders in the life of our church. And it's just amazing to watch his hand at work. And I just want to thank you for always stepping up and doing what's needed in the life of the body of Christ. Uh, it's a blessing to me to see that, and I just want to thank you for that. And, uh, and we're going to pray as we move into next week, and that takes place. A lot going on, but God's good, and uh, and he's got us. He's got us. Would you stand? Let's pray together. Father, you are a good God, and you've done so much for us, and... Uh, this moment where we consider what it looks like to, to fast. Um, in Even speaking about it, I know I've probably drawn attention to myself. So, Father, I, I apologize and ask for forgiveness. And today as we move forward as the body of Christ, I pray that you would help us to do all things for your glory. Define our strength to do all those things from one source, your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray. All God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here.